Hello and welcome to Literally Gagging. This is a podcast where we are not afraid to dive into the weird and wonderful parts of the internet in search of a thrill. And as we all know, the internet rarely disappoints on that front. If a world in which the Bigfoot community live alongside and often inside us filthy gay humans, that doesn't sound like something that you are going to get a tingle from, then maybe this is not the podcast for you. As always, I am Hannah and I'm here with my lovely co-host Molly. How are you this week, darling? I'm good. I think we should say that Dirty Gay humans is that what it was you said it's a direct quote from that was a direct quote (laughs) we don't think this rather than just a blanket statement it is a direct quote from uh what we're gonna get into but the audience can't see the air quotes that you're doing (laughs) that's true that's a very good point how are you I'm good. I'm okay. How are you? What have you been up to? Um, what have I been up to? I, well, I'm currently sat here with like, as well as the drink that I'm drinking for the what am I drinking segment, I also have a water and a cup of tea and a hot water bottle because I'm on like day one period cramps and I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm quite sweaty because I've got a hot water bottle, but um, this was exactly what I needed this week, I think, to get me <laughs> through this recording. <laughs> What else have I done? I It was Manchester Pride weekend just gone. Obviously, no one could really do anything because of the lockdown, which is very homophobic. How dare COVID interrupt the gays? So, so rude. But everyone still seemed to have a nice little glittery, busy time in town. And as long as they were staying safe and socially distanced, good for them. And what have you been up to? The other day, my partner and I got very drunk and we stayed up until about 4am singing musical theatre songs in the kitchen. And today I came in and he was like, oh, I got your present that night got really drunk and it's just arrived it's um have you ever heard of natasha pierre and the great comet of 1812 mm-hmm. it's like one of my favorite musicals and the opening song you know when it's like natasha's young sonia's good mario's old school duh, 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 and andre isn't here and it's that but it's all the characters and they're drawn and underneath is what their word is oh, that's really cute oh he's a good boy isn't he this is the first time he's never usually been the best at giving presents sorry darling we won't bring up the christmases and birthdays but this was a very cute surprise but he's smashed this one yeah yeah just a random surprise that was very nice can't wait to go and get a frame and what are you drinking this week oh because i've been so drunk at the weekend i just couldn't face any more wine you know when you get that pit in your stomach and you're just like please i can't do this anymore i'm so old i've been drinking like a fresher so i've just gone and got like a tin a cock tin of jack daniels and coke something safe something gentle on the stomach yeah that's not gonna make me feel ill what about you what what other beverages have you got apart from so I've I've got a cup of tea I've got a bottle of water and I've got a gin and iron brew because oh classic Hannah drink mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I've just fancied it I went and bought some iron brew yesterday because I could feel it coming on and I was like you know what's gonna make me feel better some iron brew the period fairy was rearing its ugly head oh yeah and so I've got some iron brew and I've actually I'm still working my way through the strawberry gin but you can't really take it like strawberry gin and iron brew I didn't know if it'd work but it does you oh can't you can't taste yeah brew, it? we should also say we're premature doing this but when you listen to this guys it's going to be spooky season (gasps) our favorite time of the year I love spooky season. Hannah and I are big dresser-uppers. Yes, we've chosen for October, we've chosen one classy spooky book, and then we've got this, which is our other Halloween episode. I also want to make clear before we get started that this 
spooky spooky book was Molly's choice as soon as we said let's do something spooky for Halloween she was like I have just the book for you because it's not spooky sex that we're reading about it is sex that involves I wouldn't even say that Bigfoot is a mythical creature because I think Bigfoot might exist somewhere out there in the world we just haven't found him yet don't want to say before the press conference that happens at the start of this book where they reveal themselves to the world and start living alongside humans you don't want to be a denier of Bigfoot no and then I've got egg on my face because there's a recording out there you'll look so silly when the press conference happens so humanist as well like I don't want to be labelled as that I embrace our new Bigfoot overlords oh god please they sound sexy as fuck to be honest they do I this book oh wow (laughs) so should we say what we're reading this week go on you can tell everyone what we're reading this week we are reading chuck's bigfoot tinglers volume one which is written by chuck tingle the infamous chuck tingle and i think we had to do a chuck tingle at some point he's such a big character in the genre that halloween felt perfect it was just a matter of time before we did a chuck tingle because before we even started this podcast before this was even a twinkle in our eye i was aware of Chuck Tingle because very good podcast if you want recommendations the secret dinosaur cult podcast end every episode by reading a piece of dinosaur erotica and obviously that is what Chuck Tingle made his bread and butter in back in the day that was his original genre but he ranges from like unicorns to people having sex with jet planes and there's a Harry Potter trans character as it says in the bio that I'm going to read he started his dinosaur erotica and expanded stories based on unicorns Bigfoot and various anthropomorphized objects and even Concepts. And one of the things that I am going to do is read some example titles of other Chuck Tingle books as well, just so everyone can get a sense of what we are working with here. So Hannah, tell us about Chuck. I wish I could tell you about Chuck. Chuck is a very elusive character. So I'm going to try and tell you what I could glean about him. But I really encourage everyone to go and do their own research because there's an awful lot to get into. So Chuck Tingle is obviously a pseudonym for an author of primarily gay niche erotica. He self-publishes his work through Amazon, primarily as eBooks, And as I said, he began his career of dinosaurs and he has branched out from there. He claims to have been born in Home of Truth, Utah, which is a small, isolated Southern Utah ghost town established in the 30s as a religious commune and abandoned in the 70s. He has described himself as bisexual. We love that bi-representation. We love a bi-con. Instead of a bi-con. He is also, alongside being an erotic author, he is a taekwondo grandmaster who has a PhD in holistic massage from a university which does not offer a degree in holistic massage. Did it ever offer it? Was it ever on the cards or? I don't think it was. I think that is, I don't know how that's happened. He found himself fascinated by all things sensual, which led to his creation of The Tingler, a story so blissfully erotic that it cannot be experienced without eliciting a sharp tingle down the spine. The main thing to note about Chuck Tingle is that no one really seems to know if he's real or not, to the point where I think he is. I want him to be real. There is also one of the questions is whether he is a real person whether he's just one person, whether he's a conglomerate of people who've created this persona. Another part of the persona is he has a son called John who gets involved occasionally. I know that he did like an Ask Me Anything thing on Reddit about his dad. And one of the main things that kind of came out of that thing that his son did where he was answering questions was he said, yes, my father is very real. He is an autistic savant and also suffers from schizophrenia. He's a very gentle, sweet person. And John's kind of main thing is that he is like his day-to-day carer. The writing that he does is something 
that is a really good way for him to get out of himself and use his brain in a way which is productive for him and rather than sort of destructive. He also says he is aware of the humour in many of his titles, although he would not just come right out and say it. Dad has a hard time understanding many things, but I would not let him be the butt of some worldwide joke if I didn't have the faith that he was in on it in some way. And writing and self-publishing brings him a lot of joy, which is really all that anyone wants. He's very political as well. He's famous for like trolling racists on the internet. He had a Donald Trump Twitter account that was like, is this a real thing that Trump said? <laughs> yes, exactly. And he's also been a guest on a charity live stream with a YouTuber, which was raising money for um, the UK Trans Children Support Group Mermaids, which we love and we love that. And then after that experience, he wrote a book called Pounded in the Book by the Handsome Sentient Manifestation of my Twitch stream. So he's getting inspiration, Left, right and centre. A lot of people, as I say, there's a lot of debate around whether he's real or not. There's a very good, good Vox article which kind of explores the whole thing. But the main thing is that he just wants to prove that love is real. That's his thing. That's his big thing in life is love is real and he wants to prove that through his tingly erotica. And I love that for Chuck. So I was listening to, he has a podcast. He kind of has a podcast that's called like My Best Friend, My Friend Chuck. It's hosted by Mackenzie Goodwin and Chuck Tingle. Mackenzie Goodwin is another erotic author she specializes in or she used to specialize in lesbian erotica she sort of has never met chuck face to face but had had conversations with him and thought this would be a really good sort of podcast idea and i was listening to the first episode and they're just chatting in mostly that it's like different segments but he was saying that he believes that there is an alternate universe for everything like there's an infinite amount of alternate universes like anything you think could happen instead of getting up at seven o'clock you got up at half seven and there's an alternate universe where you got up at half seven that day and your day is completely different. But he said the only thing that is recurring in all of these alternate universes is the fact that people love each other. Like everything else could change, but there's always love in these universes. I love that. And I love that the um, that this is the medium that he's using to express that love. I'm going to just read a few of the example titles of some of the books. When I go on Goodreads, it tells me that there are over 300 Chuck Tingle titles on Goodreads. One that I think like we have spoken about and are tempted by if this doesn't say i don't know what this says about us but it's one that we think maybe we'll get into is pounded by the pound turned gay by the socio-economic implications of britain leaving the european union <laughs> political there's also i'm gay for my living billionaire jet plane i think the first one he did was my billionaire triceratops craves gay ass but there's an awful lot of them and some of them are not pounded in the butt by anything and that's okay not all of them have to be to do with pounding. Monday pounds me in the butt. We've all been there. Anally yours, the gay unicorn sailor. I want to get into his unicorn once. You think that's where your, your main interest lies? Yeah, I'd like to see if the unicorns use their horns for any gratification. Ooh, I bet they do. I bet they do. Nice guy dinosaur doesn't pound me in the butt because I'm not interested and he's not actually nice. He's just annoying and creepy and doesn't respect when I tell him that we're not on a date. Wow. I don't think I need to read that one anymore. I feel like I've got the... Uh, no. The gist of it. But, um, and there's a lot more as well, which are to do with inanimate objects. We've got creamed in the butt by my handsome living corn, slammed in the butt by the living leftover chocolate chip cookies from my kitchen cabinet. And the best thing about Chuck Tingle is his covers. 
covers, his like book covers, which I believe he makes himself on Photoshop, which are invariably like a really buff, topless man. And then if it's an inanimate object, it's like a man's face photoshopped onto that inanimate object behind him. Do you think he gets permission for the men that he uses? Or if you become like a, a stock image, do you lose all right to you being the face? You could be pounded in the butt by anything. He's done some COVID ones as well. The physical manifestation of washing my hands gets me off, which looks like a lesbian one. There's there's just so many. I could literally spend the whole episode just reading you Chuck Tingle titles. Oh, and we're going to end on this one because some of them as well get very, very meta, such as pounded in the butt by my constantly changing thoughts on the ongoing mystery of Chuck Tingle's real identity. He knows himself. He knows oh, He knows what the audience want and he's not afraid to give it to us. The man's an absolute hero and I think he's real despite what everyone says. Having listened to him on that podcast, I don't think you could fake the way in which he speaks. He's got a very specific way of speaking, which is... I think it would be hard for any actor to replicate and also replicate where his mind moves into different places. So on his podcast, he has to give a description of a film and his co-host has to guess what that film was. And it was Jurassic Park, but he also talked about it as Santa being on holiday because obviously the, the guy in Jurassic Park plays Santa in Miracle on 34th Street. I was like, oh, okay, I see where his mind goes to. It's incredible. And also, obviously, because if he's not real, if he is a conglomerate of people doing some performance art, then it all becomes like a bit weird and ableist for them to have so specific labelled him in this like neurodiverse way which is a whole different conversation it'd be weird I just desperately want him to be real I do believe in fairies I do believe in fairies yeah I feel like the world needs more Chuck Tingles in it I think the world would be a nicer place if there were more people just believing in love that's what's important in the world and trolling racists believe in love troll racists Should we get down to it? Let's get down to it. Chuck's Bigfoot Tinglers Volume 1 is actually comprised of three separate Bigfoot stories and there are three different volumes. So I think that must mean there's about nine different Bigfoot stories. And the first one we're going to go into is called Pounded by President Bigfoot. It starts off with a small explanation on how human and big feet came together. The big feet exposed themselves to the humans to get a truth because we kept encroaching on their space. You know, deforestation stuff. We're killing the natural Bigfoot's habitat. So they came out, they held a press conference and everyone was just like, cool, the big feet integrated with society relatively easily. We land on a character called Garduk Yuldok and Garduk Yuldok is one of the most handsome. He's a Bigfoot pop star. Yeah, he's a bit of a celebrity. He's very large for his species. It says Yuldok was a beautiful brown Bigfoot, large for even his species. He wrote some absolute bangers. His number one hit, It's Lonely Out Here in the Forest. Even the most cynical of hipsters enjoy this tune. The Bigfoot experience began to resonate with people across the globe and he became a household name. And then he ran for office because obviously we love a celebrity president. Technically, as someone born within the United States, he was allowed to run for the position of president, although the idea still seemed far-fetched. After all, we'd spent centuries with humans as the leader of the free world, not Bigfoot. I have a question in that it doesn't say what party he ran for or whether there's now a third party there's the Bigfoot party it does say that he ran on a platform of environmental activism and fiscal conservatism I mean that makes sense he's a Bigfoot we're killing his home we need to be more conservative about he's green pie we love that 
but it does. I don't know whether he's Democrat or Republican. I feel like from the rest that we learn about it, I'm going to say probably Democrat. Yeah, but as I was discussing this with my partner, I imagined he would be very anti-NRA, which the Republicans are. But my partner also said that he prob- Big Feet probably come from a more rural community, which traditionally are more Republican. I'd like to know that. I'd like to know the political history of the Bigfoot. Chuck, if you can confirm or deny what party Yule Doc was running for, that would be really helpful. And then we're introduced a little bit more to our to our protagonist who we later find out is called alan bennett which was like alan bennett I don't even know if that was intentional, but I was here for it. So here for it. But then we are introduced to our protagonist who had always been interested in politics and ends up as a political journalist for like a popular blog. He wanted to be the first gay president. He did want to be the first gay president, but ends up in journalism instead. But one thing that is very interesting is that there are rumours that President Yuldok is also gay because he doesn't have a first lady. The fact that he's the first Bigfoot president has kind of overtaken the fact that he could be the first gay president because obviously the Bigfoot thing's probably more important in the grand scheme of history. I saw it as maybe that being a Bigfoot president is seen in the American public's eyes as being better than being a gay president. Dear God, yeah, that's probably it, isn't it? That's... We're fine with these other species leading our country, but do not let a gay do it. Do not. We could not have a gay, let alone a gay Bigfoot as president. Gay Bigfoot's far too far. He tries to play it off as being cool. He's like, I'm just too busy. You know, I'm president. I'm a pop star. It's so hard. It's very time consuming being president and a pop star. And when's he going to meet people? He can't go on Tinder. That way, he definitely can't go on Grindr. That's probably dangerous. Our protagonist turns up to the White House to interview him. Him. the way that the security guard just kind of says like what's he what's he really like and the answer is that he is intense the president's very intense obviously it's exciting for him to be in the white house because he's a political fan he's like buzzing off being there there's four secret security guards at the door and then he goes and is like with his little notebook and his little dictaphone and he kind of goes in to meet the president he sat outside the room and he can hear the president pacing up and down and he can't hear the conversation but it's this sort of deep and loud and like in a sense forceful but not for commanding that's the word I'm looking for a commanding voice and then the door opens President Yuldok completely takes his breath away I would be flabbergasted if I saw a Bigfoot president in the flesh like Barack Obama in the flesh would flabbergast me yeah I think any president I think even like a bad one would I'd probably be still pretty impressed with myself that I was in front of the president I don't know I don't think I'd be impressed by Trump I think the fact if I was in a room I wouldn't be impressed but if i was in a room with him i'd be like oh that's you're there i think a bush yeah you'd be impressed by a bush yeah clinton definitely i'd want to feel that sexual aura you're like i just want to understand bill i just need to understand (laughs) i just need to know why so mr bennett comes in and he shakes president yoldock's massive hairy hand immediately taken by his powerful grip as strange as it sounds there's something incredibly sexy about the president's beastly presence instantly creating an overwhelming sense of submission in his monstrous size. There's a lot of like dynamic play throughout this whole book. The idea that they're like huge. I mean, a Bigfoot is bigger than us. Yeah, well, by quite a lot, it seems. 
monstrous. And despite their integration into society, relationships between big feet and humans are still very taboo. And a gay relationship of that sort is even more so. Not that any of this even matters, because at the end of the day, he is the Bigfoot president and I'm just a lowly blogger. He's just a Bigfoot president. I'm just a lowly blogger. Can I make it <laughs> any more <laughs> I honestly couldn't say how many times you've sung that in this podcast so far. <laughs> I think it gets edited out fairly frequently, but it comes up a lot. <laughs> it's a great song. It's like I'm just a lowly blogger stood in front of a Bigfoot president asking him to pound me in the ass. Alan Bennett walks into the Bigfoot's office and he notices that the traditional setup used to have like sofas in the Oval Office, but Yule Doc had to get rid of them because he likes to pace around and he just kept bumping into them and breaking them. So it's a lot more minimalist, but it's still, you know, being in the Oval Office, if you're a politico, if you're just even us, that's probably quite a fun thing. So they start, you know, Alan's trying to make some fun remarks and he says, did you find it hard to adjust? You're the first non-human president. There must be all sorts of things around here that need to be custom fitted for a big fee. Larger pens, maybe? Then Yule Doc says, I'll tell you all about it, but first you have to turn off that recorder. So he's not really getting an interview, is he? No, he says, not for this interview, you can't record it. And obviously he doesn't really know what to do with that. But it turns out that Yule Doc has got him here for one reason and one reason alone. He says, you're an utterly gorgeous man, Yule Doc tells me. Why are you telling me this? I ask him trying to keep my cool. I've seen you online, President Yule Doc explains. Your video blogs are very good and you turned me on. Did you know that I'm not only am I the first non-human president, but I'm also the first president ever to have a first lady. Do you know why that is? And he's like, because you're gay? Oh, very good. We're all straight to the point. That's good. And I like that Yule Doc has used the Secret Service to do a, like an intel on Alan Bennett and find out if he's gay too. Like a sexy Facebook stalk. I'm like, if I was a Secret Service officer, you'd be like, oh, I'm just I'm just looking at like if he's got grinder or not. Sick. Like I can manage that. That's easy. I'd say it's probably not the best use of the taxpayers' money. So he says that I've decided you'd be the perfect candidate for my needs. Candidate? I'm sorry, that sounds so sterile. I'll try to leave politics outside of the room when we're together. Maybe lover is a better word. Ugh. I hate the word lover. <laughs> it's really gross. And Alan Bennett says, I'm sorry, I don't entirely follow. And Yule Doc's like, I'd like to fuck you. Just really straight up. Just like, bam. I like the way that Alan thinks as well. It says, despite his alpha swagger, the president's bluntness has finally gone too far. And I actually find myself a little bit offended by this offer. Everything about it is just too formal, too strange. Maybe if the president was hitting on me, I'd just be like, cool, close off. Yeah, it depends. I mean, it very much depends on the president, I think. Barack Obama can do whatever he wants. Oh, Clinton. Clinton. I hadn't realised you were such a, like, a, such a Clinton fangirl. This is something I hadn't known about you. I think it's because I watched a lot of Simpsons growing up and just the way that they depict him in that. The fact that that's your reasoning almost makes it worse. Like, that's <laughs> such a weird sexual awakening to have had from the Simpsons of all things. It's like, you know what? Bill Clinton, you know, with his saxophone. It. Sexy. It's sexy. Um. <laughs> Alan says, why would I let you do that? Your doc doesn't miss a beat because I'm hot, gay, intelligent, and I'm the fucking president because I'm a rare commodity and I know my value because I can. This, yes, Yule Doc, we love that. Yes, Yule Doc, know your value. He's not pressuring him into it. He's just saying like, I know why I'm the shit. So we either get on board or get out. Why wouldn't you want to fuck the first Bigfoot president? And then, and then Alan's not really sure. Like it's turning him on. The whole thing is like sexy, but he's like, this isn't very professional. So let's, um, let's not do that. And Yule Doc's like, okay, Okay, cool, you can go. You were here for one reason. 
Tonight, a big bab, you can go. Shut the door on your way out. And Alan seems to be a little bit surprised by this. He's like, normally he's the one calling the shots. Because the phrase he uses, being as handsome as I am, I've never had a gay man come at me without just a hint of desperation. And Yuldok doesn't need him. Yuldok wants him. Yuldok, as he said, he's the first Bigfoot president. He can have any man he wants. Absolutely. And Yuldok's literally like, you can go. We are done here. If you don't want to have sex with me. And then he's like, Alan's like, well, what are the details? And he says, I get to fuck you. You get the honour of having been fucked by me. I love this confidence. This absolute confidence that Yuldok has. I guess it might be a male thing as well. This like alpha Bigfoot vibe. I love it. Alan's like, I'll do it. I'll service you like the filthy gay human that I am. Which is why I said it at the beginning, guys. I wasn't just casting aspersions it's- on all humans. <laughs> it, was a re- it was a reference, guys. It was a quote, I swear. So they, they get down to business to defeat the Huns. And this was my favourite bit because when I told my partner what we were reading for this episode, obviously this is the joke that he made because it's the most obvious joke where Yuldok gets his cock out and it is thick and brown and it's a huge rod and it's got substantial girth and Alan says, it's incredible and the president says, you know what they say about big feet? And I was like, eh. It would have been such a waste to not do that joke. It was just so perfect, wasn't it? It was just so perfect. So so Alan starts taking the dick in his hand and it's a big dick. It says it's so huge that I can barely wrap my hand around it. Which I want you to remember, listeners, because we're going to come back to how big this dick is later on when things get a bit steamier. It's a big dick. It's a big, brown, hairy dick. And also because I think we'll come to it and this again becomes a theme is the fact that in order to give him a blowjob, his lips are stretched to the brink. Like his mouth is as wide as it can possibly go. And like personally, I have quite a big mouth so I don't know if that is normal for all people but like when I thought about that I was like can you fit your fist can you fit your fist in your mouth I don't think I've I don't think I've ever tried I'm gonna just lean away from the camera while I try because I don't want evidence of it <laughs> I'm filming it for our only fans <laughs> no I can't <laughs> Um, I can't fit my fist in my mouth, but maybe I also have big hands, I don't know. But like when I was thinking, of, it's all very well saying that like his lips are stretched to the brink, but I want I want you all now to just open your mouth as wide as it will go and really think about how big that dick is. Because have you ever chewed sometimes or opened your mouth so big that you get locked jaw a little bit and you're like, oh shit, my, my mouth is never going to come out from this and you sort of have to like crack it back into place and you're like, oh, there we go. Or like if you open your mouth so wide that like, you know, the cor- you know, when you get like a cold sore in the corner of your mouth and like those little bits there like really stretch like just imagine that anyway this dick is really big that is the point we're trying to make this dick is so big in every single one of his books they talk about being able to go past the gag reflex it's so big that you just you like your gag reflex barely exists and I didn't know you could go past it I thought it existed for a reason I didn't but they manage it in every single one of the stories and again if we imagine just how big that is and he manages to get it all the way up to the hilt if that's the right phrase yes (laughs) I think we'll go with hilt (laughs) it tears well up in my eyes as he holds me there a natural reaction to consuming such a massive wand of flesh but somehow his rough treatment of my face does nothing but turn me on even more I'm trembling with desire my throat 
throat full of dick and my cuck aching to blow its hot load. I want him to fuck me up my ass. I want to get off. And there's quite a lot of like very, well not very specific, but like themed dirty talk where it's like, I love that fucking big, Bigfoot cock. I need you in my asshole, Mr. Bigfoot president. They're really playing on this power dynamic. This was my favorite bit though. It says, is that how you address your superior? Yoldok asked sternly in, a, in his booming voice. I need you in my asshole, Mr. Bigfoot president. All right, Marilyn Monroe. Happy birthday, Mr. Bigfoot president. <laughs> There's quite a lot of like arse slapping as well. When someone is preparing themselves to be fucked, there's a bit of a bit of slapping while he skillfully aligns his thick rod with my puckered hole. And then they go, he literally goes into it. And I imagine being as a Alan Bennett says to prolific gay man, he knows how to handle a dick. So he maybe not used to this level of girth or depth, but his asshole would be somewhat ready for what it's about to receive. Well, this is the thing as well. Like I remember obviously when we went up and down the back passage with Mitch Mitchell, there was a lot of prepping involved. And I feel like you would need to be prepped for a Bigfoot dick and no, no one gets prepped. Everyone just- I imagine the lube you would need would need to be Dickfoot big size, Bigfoot dick size. <laughs> and there's been, there's no lube. There is none of that, which I, is a bit scary, but fine. Well, unless something to do with bigfoot hairs or a bigfoot dick comes lubed we don't know no one no one has specified so we don't know but he's he's having he's having a great time he is here for his pleasure now a servant to his deviant gay desires i wasn't sure how i felt about that because i didn't know if he meant that being gay was deviant or the desires specifically were deviant but here we go i think maybe it's about the human bigfoot relationship because that is the interspecies taboo as opposed to anything else yeah yeah i think that might be it now they're really getting into it. He's like, an orgasm is not far behind. And then the Yule Doc pulls out of me and flips me over. He's on his back, legs akimbo, spread wide open, whilst Yule Doc is slamming into his butthole with animalistic fury. And Yule Doc's like, you're doing great work here. <laughs> and Yule Doc says, you're doing great work here. Best interview I've ever had with a little cocky wink. Thank you, Sarah, tell him. I've got an advanced task for you though. He says, I hope you're up for it. I am up for it. I'm up for anything. My body is yours. That's what I thought. He takes his gigantic rod in his hands and then lowers it slightly, pushing forward until the head of a shaft presses lightly against the puckered entrance of my already reamed back door. Next to his cock, however, I can feel something else. Something quietly pulled from some inside of the Bigfoot president's oak desk. Wait! Are you? I desperately collect my thoughts. Is this double penetration? Hilda answers with a smirk. Yeah, and I don't really understand. And the official presidential butt plug is what they describe it as. I don't really understand how he thinks that he's going to be able to take both, but he manages it. It's a lot. And it's it sounds like it's going to be a lot for Alan as well. He says, I've never done it before. And Yildok's like, it's about time you learned. And it doesn't seem that difficult, considering the fact that we've already discussed that there's no lube. Just kind of like absolutely goes for it. And he says, fuck, I can't believe I've got a dick and a dildo up my ass at the same time. And Yuldok's like, believe it. <laughs> okay then, sir, I'll believe it, fine. And then he gets Yuldok to lie down and then he like squats over him. There's a lot of like position changes. Yeah, which I like. It's keeping it fresh. It's keeping it up to date. It's keeping it modern. It's How many presidents do you think have had sex on the presidential desk? All of them? Oh, I mean like all of them. Surely. How many do you think have had the official presidential butt plug used on the uh, presidential desk. Oh, I'd like to think. Again, I think the Bushes 
You think they're a bit... Reagan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like Nixon wouldn't. Oh, God, no. I think that's a bit... Uh, I think... Part of me is like, I think they're a bit too wholesome for anal. But I bet Michelle loves a bit of it. The thing is, I want them to be... It's like a mixture of like, they're really wholesome and I want them to be too wholesome for it. But also, I want them to be having like a banging sex life because they're both really fit. Yeah, completely. So he squats over him and he impales his gay asshole with his huge dick. Then we get to it. We get to them about to come. Suddenly a wave of unbridled pleasure hits me like a train, causing me to throw my head back and let out a frantic howl of ecstasy. I'm quaking on top of the Bigfoot president, my entire body enveloped by a series of powerful spastic convulsions. Hot ropes of jizz shoot from the head of my cock, splattering everywhere. So then Yuldok is right behind him. Yuldok is coming down that train and it's a massive ejection of cum blast from his cock. It fills me with a strange warmth and quickly becomes too much to contain, squirting out from the tightly packed rim of my asshole in white milky streaks. And there's a lot of that as well. There's a lot of of people's assholes not being able to contain all the cum that's being thrown into them. I imagine a Bigfoot comes more than a human. God, yeah. And then he hops off. Yuldok says, you did a great job. We can do the real interview tomorrow. And then he leaves. And that is the end of the story. That's one. So we're going to go jump straight into the second one. No time. We're going to ride that Bigfoot train. It's called Bigfoot Somalia Butt Tasting. Oh, and this one's very different because of the three that we're going to read, this is the only one which features a straight protagonist going into it, at least. They're going on a bros weekend. They're going on a wine tasting with the bros. Our protagonist is not very happy about this. Nick is very upset because last time they went to Las Vegas and he's upset that there's not going to be any more chicks for him to bang. He describes himself as the number one poon hound in our frat. Yeah, that's that's the level we're working at, guys. Poon hound. Poon hound. Just one more time. Poon hound. Uh, but so he's not very happy that Jeff's trying to take him on a wine tasting because it's going to be full of old people. And he's like, but maybe I can find a, a milf. So Jeff heads to go to, into the hotel of the vineyard and get their keys. And um, Pete wanders off somewhere else. And Nick goes to see what's going on. There's some people milling around in one of the tasting rooms. You can see immediately that a small crowd of well-dressed men and women have gathered around a guide for this tour. His breath catches in his throat when he sees the person speaking. It was the most beautiful creature I've ever laid eyes on. It's a Bigfoot covered in fur and sipping leisurely from a glass of deep red wine. He's very intrigued by the Bigfoot. They all queue up for a tasting of this vino. Nick gets in the queue, but he's very, like, flustered. He said, the monster is more attractive than any human woman or man, for that matter, that I've ever seen. A perfect specimen of pure animalistic hotness. So he's very into this mystery Bigfoot. He is. And he's getting like a bit hard. He's getting in the queue to to taste this wine. He like turns into a bit of an idiot when he actually has to speak to him. He's like fixing his hair, making sure his shirt's all good. The Bigfoot gives him this wine, tells him a bit bit about it. It's the signature Pinot Noir. It's aged for 15 years. Delicious. And Nick says, I'm not gay, but I want to be with this amazing beast more than anything I've ever wanted in my life. And this one is called Torbo Gulgot. And they're having a little like... The connection between them is flowing. It's like an unspoken rhythm. They're kind of like having a little flirt over this wine. And he says, have you ever considered being the one who is tasted? And Nick's like, I don't know what you mean. And he's like, have you ever been tasted? And he says, why don't you come back here at 11 tonight and I'll show you what I mean. And he says, all right, sounds good, bro. And it's like, okay, Nick, well, you're claiming to be straight. You don't need to. You don't need to prove anything to anyone, Nick. We don't care whether you're straight or not. You don't have to call everyone bro. And he goes back to the lads and the lads are like, oh, mate, what a 
shame they've fucked up the hotel we're gonna have to bounce and Nick is very upset by this and it turns out they have a one single room which Nick takes the way that he described it to his friends was really it said now that I've tasted the succulent flavour of gay Bigfoot desire thought of anything else especially human women seems laughably insignificant and he says of course the guys aren't going to understand that but then when he says to them he literally just says have you guys ever met someone who the second you lay your eyes on them you just know they're going to mean something important to you and they're like oh you met a girl and he's like no bro a Bigfoot like the big monster that lives in the woods and he's like yeah he's the sommelier I just met him we're gonna have a private tasting and the lads just go yeah fine have a nice time make your own way back home Absolutely. So I thought it was interesting that maybe maybe this speaks well of the frat bros. They're actually more accepting than Nick originally thought they were going to be. If they're suggesting a wine tasting in Napa, maybe they are a different breed of frat bro. It's just Nick that's the problem and he's having his awakening. Because And he might have been the problem because he didn't realise he was gay for big feet. And now we know. And he goes to get ready for his date. He comes back to the tasting room at precisely 11 o'clock. And he's like, he's put a full suit and tie on to try and impress him. It's cute. Torbo walks up behind him and he's expecting it to be a bottle of wine that he's pulled out behind him and he goes what is this and the answer is obvious and I know it I told you I wanted you to come in for a private tasting I didn't tell you exactly what I wanted to taste though what do you want to taste I whimper my erect cock pressing hard against the fabric of my pants your ass Torba reveals <laughs> reveals like there was a surprise like it was a big like plot twist <laughs> absolute secret someone's gonna jump out of his anus. Surprise, it's your granny's birthday. They're they're getting straight to the tasting. As a straight man, I've never had anyone explore that region before and especially not with their tongue. At first, I'm not exactly sure if I like it, but as Torbo continues to lap at my puckered asshole, I find myself loosening up and enjoying the ride. Says, that feels so fucking good. I moan, Torbo pulls back. It tastes good too, the creature tells me. There's a definite high note of rose with some smooth buttery lows and a fine nutty finish. This is a delicious asshole. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we're just gonna let that settle for a minute. We're just gonna let you all enjoy that. I just don't know if an asshole has buttery lows. I wouldn't I wouldn't know. I'm gonna be honest. Listeners, if you have had a delicious tasting asshole, describe it to us like it's a wine. So um then he the powerful beast stands and hoists me up onto the table, spreading my legs and then gracefully swallowing my rod into his warm Bigfoot mouth. He takes me deep, expertly relaxing his already massive throat as his black lips reach the base of my rod. So Torbo knows what he's doing. Again, I, I don't know what a Bigfoot's mouth is like, but I imagine it has sharper teeth than a human's that's true it has to be very careful and i like the thing about the right okay so this is another thing that i was thinking about on the cover of this book which we will put on the instagram so you can all see it's like a jacked topless man with a gorilla head photoshopped onto it but all the way through this i was picturing chewbacca i was picturing like a chewbacca-esque kind of bigfoot i wasn't picturing i'm glad it wasn't just me but no because i think because they say brown hairy dick a lot the, the fact that the dick also has hair on it tells me something about yeah i was seeing Chewbacca. I was seeing Chewbacca too. I wasn't seeing like a ripped man. But obviously he can't use an image of Chewbacca, can he? Because that's copyright. So Nick then begs to suck Torbo's cock. And again, 
It's huge. After admiring Torbo's phallic beauty for a while, I just can't take waiting any longer and swallow his dick hungrily. It reaches his gag reflex, he's unprepared for the size. At least he retches slightly. But, but also, as Torbo says, is it too much to take for a straight boy? And he's like, I've got this, bro. And then again, straight past his gag reflex, right down into his throat in a beautifully performed deep throat, which I think is skillful for someone who's probably never sucked a dick before in their life. Torbo's using him to quote like a gay human play toy. They're near orgasm. And so he's like been wanking and stuff and then they obviously want to like do the, the whole Fandango and the phrase he uses. And it's not just that he says this, he screams it. Do it, I scream. Shove that giant Bigfoot dick into my tight little bro hole. And he doesn't need to be told twice. He does not need to be told twice. He's straight in there. I can feel myself expand around the girth of his cock, my inside stretching to the brink as his throbbing Bigfoot shaft slides deeper and deeper within my ass. It says, so tell me you like that big fat Bigfoot Somalia cock, the creature demands with his deep voice. I love that Bigfoot Somalia cock, I tell him. You're a bad boy, aren't you, Torbo demands. I'm so bad. I shouldn't love fucking this big Bigfoot dick so much, but I do. I really do. Torbo slaps my toned ass hard. <laughs> oh, and then the next page he says, harder ice cream at Torbo. Turn me gay. I feel like you've turned. I feel like we're past that point, hon. I think we're there. Harder I demand again. Fuck me like the dirty gay bro that I am. And I mean, Torbo's clearly getting off on that. Torbo's having a great time. Slam my bro ass with that thick fucking cock. And he says, let's blow our loads together, Bigfoot bro. So Torbo nods in agreement. Nick starts wanking himself off as Torbo is pounding into his ass. And then they come. Jizz flies everywhere. Jizz is also flowing out of his ass because we've established. And the next time that he sees the guys, a year has passed. Me and Torbo have started a vineyard of our own and living peacefully in the countryside and they kind of drive up and they're like oh my god dude you look amazing this is so good you've been working out and he's like me and Torbo go running through the hills every morning what a beautiful vineyard they own thank you for coming for the guys weekend and he says oh last time we were complaining about the wine tasting and now like we've all come here for one this is crazy but it's not a guys it's not a wine tasting that they've come for it's a gay orgy with Torbo's friends from the deep woods and that's the end of and he says you're gonna love them oh yeah Jeff asks why is that because they've got great taste I tell him. And that's the end of that one. <laughs> They're gonna eat Bigfoot ass. They're gonna eat Bigfoot ass. Oh, I really, I honestly think like that was my favourite of the three. I really enjoyed that one. And we are into the third in this collection now, which is called Seduced by Dr. Bigfoot, Attorney at Large. So there's already a lot going on in this title and there's gonna be a lot going on in this book. And we open up on a lawyer called Mark who has a big case coming up. Other firm have played every dirty trick in the book and the last trick that they could throw at them is that they've bought in Nart Bulguck. Nart wandered out of the woods at the age of 21, took the bar, and in the past five years, he has never lost one case. He took the bar, he self-taught, because he found that so easy, he became a heart and a brain surgeon as well, which is quite impressive. And he just seems to be an all-round good guy. He spends his days in the courtroom and his nights in the emergency room, saving lives in any way that he can. And he one day went down to a popular downtown nightclub and picked up everyone's tab for the whole 
evening, then led an impromptu dance-off, which not won, brackets, without much contest, either due to his incredible salsa dancing skills picked up during a summer overseas in the heart of Spain. So he's literally got it all. And the real issue that Mark has with Nart is that there is a general rumour that he's probably gay. And as Mark is an openly gay man in the queer community in New York, he thinks it would really help if Nart, this really successful, really prolific, amazing doctor lawyer dancer came out of the closet and was able to like the gays could claim him but Nart will not do that and that's what he doesn't like about him. So it gets to the day of the trial and it's about 10 minutes until Mark has to make his opening statement but Nart isn't there and Mark's a bit like oh this is just such typical Nart. He turns up at the last minute in some sort of dramatic flair and a passionate outburst. Right on time Nart comes through the courtroom it says I looked down at my watch and no sooner have I lifted my head does Nart come bursting through the courtroom door in all of his glory a large imposing Bigfoot wearing nothing but emergency room scrubs on the bottom and a medical face mask covering his mouth he's shirtless showing off his ripped Bigfoot abs with a stethoscope hanging proudly around his neck a subtle way of showing off that he is in fact a doctor as well as an attorney no one likes to show off Nart such a flex Nart and I also feel like doing was he doing surgery topless that seems dangerous that seems really not sterile that seems that seems unhygienic because the Bigfoot hairs I also had this discussion with my partner of whether a Bigfoot surgeon would be better or worse because they've got bigger hands so do you want a person with smaller hands doing your surgery or a person I don't know I'm assuming a Bigfoot has steadier hands because they're bigger maybe but yeah surely hairy maybe that's quite difficult to keep surgery room like sterile but not only is Nart incredibly smart both a doctor and a lawyer but he carries himself with a rugged confidence that can only be found in the most suave of characters it's as though the world must answer to him not the other way around and he knows it so he's like big and sexy and talented and confident and Mark gets up to make his opening statements and he absolutely fucks it he can't because what he sees is you know like where a judge sits and there's like the shiny bars around them in that reflection he can see Nart just being all topless and handsome and his abs out just watching his every move and he's like I can't concentrate I cannot but at least make the man put a shirt on (laughs) it's a court of law yeah it doesn't feel very professional to just let a big sexy Bigfoot walk around with his abs out it feels like it makes a bit of a mockery of the court proceedings we don't know what the case is about we don't know if there's a murderer waiting to be convicted chilling and Mark because when he fucks up this opening statement he just leaves he just walks out the courtroom because he's embarrassed that he made a fool of himself which causes a mistrial and again if this is a murder case and a guy gets off because Mark's just walked out because there's a sexy Bigfoot man and now there's a fucking murderer on the loose because a Bigfoot couldn't put on a shirt it's wrong legal system so Mark has gone to a bar he's been in the bar for hours just drinking and the bar woman's just like giving him drinks because clearly he's not in a good mood and then not comes and sits down next to him and is like hell of a day like a suave Bigfoot that he is I like that he orders an old fashioned as well I felt that that was a very smooth cocktail for a smooth Bigfoot it's a very not drink to be having and the other question is how does alcohol affect a Bigfoot do they have a really high tolerance or would it be something oh good question I imagine they would but would they or would it have been maybe something that it took a while for them to socialise into because if you're a Bigfoot and you've 
you've never drank before in the woods. I think that they would have because at some point there's going to be a bucket of fermenting apples. There's going to be a fermentation of fruit in the same way that I think, especially if they come from a state where cannabis is legal, they're going to be used to getting high too because it grows in the forest, doesn't it? That's true. It's true. You make a good point. I'm glad that's the answer because I would hate to think that the vices of the human world have corrupted the Bigfoot species. Oh, I don't know if Bigfoot do cocaine because I think that would be a corruption, but I think the natural nut definitely does cocaine. How can you be a doctor and a lawyer without doing coke? He clearly doesn't sleep ever because he spends his days in the courtroom and his nights in the emergency room. And I feel like that's dangerous on both counts if he's just like completely out of it, not knowing where he is because he's been at work for 24 hours solid every time. But he goes and he starts having a little, a little sort of like that kind of classic like enemies to lovers flirt where Mark's like not having it, but Nart's just being really smooth. And he's like, it happens to the best of us. Even I get cold feet sometimes. And Mark says, well, I guess something was distracting me. Something that I just couldn't ignore. I like the sensitive admission from such an incredible and powerful beast makes me swoon with gay desire. Specifically gay desire. (laughs) Not straight desire, not any desire, specifically the gay kind. Because I don't think straights have this level of desire. I think it's impossible as a straight woman to feel this level of desire which makes me swoon. Because men are trash. Men are trash, yeah. He's got me right in the palm of his hand now, melting. To cut a long story short, Nart invites him back up to, as it says, I'd love to take you back to my place and fuck your brains out. What do you say? And he's like, sure. Why? Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's get out of here. So they're on their way up to Nart's Manhattan apartment. But as he's going up, the sparkling lights are sweeping Mark off his feet and Mark's like, could this be love? I want to say no. <laughs> it's pretty soon, Mark. You've, uh, you've jumped the gun a little bit there, I think. Probably not. You're just you're just impressed that he has a nice flat. That's not love. You're having a bad day, you've had some drinks, and a sexy man has swept you off your feet with gay desire, and now you're up into a nice flat. I think it was love too. Yeah, we've all been there. There's a lot of stuff against these giant floor-to-ceiling windows. That's the big sexy emblem of this one, is the floor-to-ceiling windows. I'd be impressed. And not comes towards him he's completely naked an incredible specimen of bigfoot perfection and surrounded by the trappings of luxury at its peak as only a lawyer and a doctor combined could afford his cock is utterly enormous jutting out of his body towards (laughs) me like a thick flesh arrow thick flesh arrow i bet it can always find its way north so Mark drops to his knees and immediately takes the Bigfoot dick in his mouth. And I, I don't think we need to go into how big a Bigfoot dick is. But this one's a bit different because Mark cradles the creature's balls for some added flair. Added flair. I love the use of that word. He's like, I'm going to keep it interesting for everyone. He's having a great time with his face pressed hard against his ribbed abs while the balls hang tight on my chin it's got him all the way down his throat as as everyone does clearly in this and then he like pulls him out and there's a big thick trail of saliva hanging oh that bit grossed me out and i don't know why and then he says do you want to fuck this tight gay human ass do you want to pound me like the little twink that i am and i'm like okay so we're getting more information about mark i didn't know he was a twink i wouldn't have imagined him as a twink so of course he pounds that twink ass as anyone would as anyone would and he says his his shaft feels like a never-ending snake of flesh going on forever and ever until finally he reaches the hilt of his enormity fuck your cock is so huge i can tell him i don't know if i can take it all and he does they all do it wouldn't be sexy if he could only get it in halfway (laughs) that's that's it i'm I'm done (laughs) that's about it i can't handle anymore um and my favorite bit of this they're fucking against the window it's all pretty standard but there's a bit where he says now the incredible doctor 
doctor lawyer is absolutely pounding me with everything he's got. I'm fearful the glass might just pop out of this window frame and send me hurtling to the ground below. And I was like, if you have floor to ceiling windows in like a Manhattan a penthouse, I'm assuming they're like at least double glazed. They're not just gonna pop out of the building. Also, they're gonna be Bigfoot proofed. That's another aspect we need to think of. But that fear subsides quickly and another feeling takes place. One of animalistic gay desire. So all he can think about is being fucked silly by this enormous beast. Pulls him sort of up and Mark grabs him round the neck. They're banging that way. So like Nart's supporting Mark's weight as he's picking him up. Nart reaches down and places his cock at the edge of my butthole, then drops me slowly onto his shaft. I let out a hearty groan as his girth slips into me once again. My re-aimed asshole only slightly more forgiving against this massive cock in this new position. Now take this doctor lawyer dick, my Bigfoot lover commands. I like how everyone's penis has been personified with their job title because I know that especially president, sommelier, doctor lawyer, like these are all quite impressive jobs. But if you like worked in Tesco, would you be like, take this sales assistant dick, this big Bigfoot like customer service. Like it doesn't really work with any other, like a less impressive, like what's your job title? Production coordinator. It doesn't have the same ring to it, does it, as doctor lawyer? It doesn't. But he's there absolutely going at it. And he says he's throttling my body harder now than anything I've ever experienced. Tossed around like some gay human sex doll. Again, he sort of goes into, we didn't mention it on the other one, but he talks about prostate orgasms a lot, which is something we can't identify with. Cannot relate, but presumably I imagine that these absolutely like vast Bigfoot dicks are gonna do that for you. And then he splatters a load of hot milky spunk across his incredible chest. One, two, three payloads of jizz eject onto my Bigfoot lover while I shudder and tremble against him. Payloads, not a phrase I've heard before. But then the majestic creature lets out a primal roar as a torrent of pearly cum rains down on Mark's face. Well, Mark wanted it. Like he asked for it and I think they switched positions so that Nart can come on Mark's face. So obviously everyone's had a great time. and then this is my absolute favourite bit. If we thought that Nick and the sommelier starting a vineyard together was pretty quick, this goes even quicker. Nart says, I've been a player for a long time, but it's because I've been hurt so many times in the past. I never thought I'd be able to love again until tonight. And then he says, I love you. I want to start a firm with you, just me and you. Maybe eventually you could be one of the nurses at the hospital too. Both, I ask. I want you to be part of every aspect of my life. Lawyer, doctor, everything. And then he says, of course, I'll be your law partner and male nurse. I love you, Nart Bolguk. And that's the end of that one. Wow, and that is the end of Chuck's Bigfoot Tingler's Volume 1, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for the big question. Are you ready? Okay. How wet did you get? Were you like the ocean? How wet did you get? Were you drier than the desert? How wet did you get? Did this book make you come? I mean, no, personally no, <laughs> but I had a whale of a time reading it, I'm gonna be honest. I think I got a little tanned on, you know, just the thought of people having sex in general can be a bit of a sexy time. But and maybe I'm down for the Bigfoot thing. I don't know. I have never dated anyone under six foot, so that might be my thing. So maybe. I feel like the thing that probably turned me on the most was the thought of our lovely frat bro Nick starting a vineyard with his big gay foot lover, like that big gay foot? No gay Bigfoot lover. 
I am big gay foot. Big gay foot lover. Um, I think that was the thing that, honestly, if any part of it was going to be my favourite, it was Nick realising his true self and starting a vineyard with his with his boyfriend. I thought that was beautiful. I honestly don't know how to rate this out of 10. Like, I don't know what to do. I think maybe out of five big feet. Five big... I'm going to give it a four big feet. A four big feet. I think a four big feet's good. I'm going to take points away for the repetition of the fact that the gag reflex is constantly broken. Let's be more realistic, people. I feel like the last thing people go to Chuck Tingle books for is realism. But I can only suspend so much of my disbelief. So, like, I can believe that we're fucking Chewbacca. I cannot believe that everyone's gag reflex just doesn't work anymore. That's where my line comes, apparently. I just had a wonderful time. I had a great time. But you don't have to take our word for it. Just because we've loved it doesn't mean that no one else will love it too. We have searched the hilts of the internet, and by that we mean Goodreads and Amazon, and found out what people have had to say. So Hannah, what do the good people of Goodreads have to say about this one? There weren't any reviews of this collection altogether. People had just rated it as opposed to reviewing the whole thing. Then when I went for the individual stories, there were a few that had reviews, and some of them were literally just people being like, ha 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 ha, this is amazing, which is a legitimate response. And then the others, were really, really long detailed reviews in which people, I'd noticed Chuck Tingle fans put a lot of GIFs in their reviews, which it makes them really long and hard to screenshot. So I've just taken extracts of a couple. So for example, someone gave the first one, the president one, gave it three and a half stars, rounded up. Why? The writing's not going to win any awards, but it's better than some stuff that I've read. In fact, the story is three stars, but my enjoyment was a four. No romance, just fucking. And I'm like, absolutely, I'm fine with that. And then then the sommelier one got a part of the review again a really really long review that i couldn't be bothered reading all of and it says um just for we can do a recap of one nick's bro hole gets pummeled by torbo's big fat big foot sommelier cock so hard it turns him gay could have been the jizz that got ejected into nick too hard to say maybe a combination turns him gay oh tingle what are we going to do with you and your tinglers that use all these words in the strangest most laughable ways yet still manage to miss the easiest typos only the tingle could work in unquantified into monster porn and make every single character he writes about ripped and hot with holes gagging to be reamed by monsters and mythical creatures. And I'm like, I think that sums him up pretty well, to be honest. There's a lot of fascinating vocabulary choices completely backed up with just everyone's jizz going everywhere and everyone's gag reflexes being fucked. Like, crazy. So I feel like Chuck Tingle fans are clearly very passionate about Chuck and I love that. How did Amazon find him? I tried to look for the individual stories as well, just like just now like you did but it didn't come up. So I've only got four reviews from the anthology that we read. They all gave it five stars, so that's a good thing, I think, for Chuck. One of them just says, got this for a friend as a gag gift. Turns out he's really into it. Thanks, Dr. Chuck, because he's got a PhD, yeah? And then the second one said, super good. Weird premise, but written pretty well. I love the universe Chuck has created. What a great couple of stories. Good. And that's that's all you need to say, I think. I don't think it needs to be any more complex than that. If you have read any more of Chuck Tingle's books, let us know if you think there's one that we're particularly missing out on. We are just covering the 
these at the moment because we felt it was very Halloweeny and very spoopy but there might be other ones that we need to branch out into please let us know you can find us at litgagpod on Twitter on Instagram we're at literally gagging podcast and our email address is literally gagging podcast at gmail.com please remember to rate review and subscribe to us on all the social medias and your apple podcast your spotify's whatever you are listening to us in your ears right now and if you have any other spooky halloween suggestions and just let us know what you're going as for halloween this year send us your pictures yes if you are going as a chuck tingle if you're going as a sexy bigfoot let us know just purely for our own use like i don't know what we're going to do with the halloween i just want to know what people are going as for halloween because i love it happy halloween everyone do send us your costumes stay spoopy stay safe stay clean all things i really hope halloween's allowed to happen this year i hope halloween's allowed to happen because it's a saturday and it's a full moon in the next episode we will be talking about the witches of eastwick by john updike to carry on with the little spoopy halloween theme and i'm looking forward to it i fucking love halloween man i'm so excited stay spoopy stay scary wash your hands because covid is the real killer not vampires and we'll see you in a few weeks happy halloween happy halloween Bye. A big thank you to Bobby Bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything. To Bethany Southworth for our jingle. And the other incidental music is from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech, the king of royalty-free jams and saviour of media studies students the world over.